Wait, is it on? Yeah. Oh, how long has it been on? Did you get my burp? <laughs> I did. Don't delete that. Leave it there. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to my burp. I'm so sorry. I'm so rude of me to burp. I didn't know we were live. We were live. She didn't say action. That's when you shoot a movie. Well, I feel like you should at least say play or, like, go or, hey, I'm recording or... We're live. Gosh. We're so, on air. You're so needy. Oh, okay. Well, do your thing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. We're back with episode two. What even happened in episode one? We're sorry for the delay, first of all. It's we kind of left weeks. you guys hanging. We teased you all, got you a little wet, and then left you. What? <laughs> left you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> left you with nothing. Um, <clears throat> Alright, so here we are finally again for episode two. This podcast is explicit now. It was explicit last time. It's explicit if I am involved. I have it a sailor really mouth. It really is. It really is. Listen, when you've been in the military, people who've been in the military, they know. You guys know in your mouth, you foul things just automatically start. You can't stop cussing. Beautiful. Thank you for bringing that to our podcast. I wouldn't be myself if I wasn't cussing. That's true, that's true. But, what are we talking about today? Ooh, today... Okay, so we're gonna get everybody crawling in their skin and uncomfortable, and we're gonna talk about inpatient care. Nobody likes to talk about that. Actually, a lot of people haven't asked me about it recently. Really? Yes. What do you... Like, asking, like... Asking for, like, general experiences of what happened, how it was, because people were terrorized of it. Mm-hmm. They've seen a bird, the bird that flew over the cuckoo's nest, or, like, that Netflix show, Nurse Ratch, Nurse Ratchet. They, you, you don't know these, no? I don't watch movies. Oh my god. If my wife could divorce me right now, it's in her face. She's so disappointed in me. I haven't seen these things that you were speaking of. I'm sorry. Well, okay, so they're like terrible portrayals of nurses. You know, you're afraid that you're going to get the evil nurse. Oh, okay, okay. That kind of thing. Okay. And so, spoiler... Spoiler. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler (laughs) You get a fourth time to try. Forty accents later. Forty ac- Wait, forty? How many? Forty. <laughs> Isn't she cute? Say do it again. Say forty-two. Oh my gosh. Come on, forty. Give forty-two. I'm from New Jersey. Was it good? Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Okay. Um, Fifty accents later. So. Yeah, okay, so you mentioned people are... Why are people asking you in particular about inpatient care, though? Because I recently decided to do some inpatient care. Okay, yeah, cool. So, yeah. Which is, like, ooh. Yeah. Spicy. Spicy. Truth. People, like, I imagine, like, somebody's like, yeah, I've been in inpatient care, and the person you tell that to just, like, immediately turns around and, like, walks away. They're like, nope, I'm sorry. (laughs) Has that happened to you? No, luckily, oh. no, luckily that's not, but that's how I feel 
like it's gonna go when I tell people that. Because I've also been in inpatient care. I've gone twice to um, Laureate here in town. It's a great place. I would totally actually recommend it, um, but we'll get there. So yeah, so so we've both been an inpatient, mm-hmm. um, and we've both been kind of, you know, vocal about it to certain people and trying to... Um, be honest. Yeah, be honest, or just also, like, create awareness, which is also, you know, why we are here in this podcast, because we are aware that there's just still this such a stigma to people going to inpatient care or needing to go to places like Laureate. Um, but it's not what you think it is. And it is incredibly helpful and nice. And they have really nice grass. Um, they do. They used to have especially nice monkey grass. Yeah. Which, um, just going there, I heard all about your escapades. <laughs> I made such an impact that they remembered me, and my wife could then identify me while she was there. And they were like, yeah, this girl crawled in the monkey grass every time we went outside. I would legit army crawl through that grass. It was so soft. It's like, if anybody's ever been in, like, shade grass, like Bermuda grass, like, it's so soft grass. It's like the grass that you would actually walk in on barefoot, and that's a big deal to me. I don't like being barefoot. That's true. Anyway, okay, we're really getting off topic. We're getting off topic a lot in this. Okay. Inpatient care. Um, let's let's look at our list. What's what's our list? First, oh, we should. Fuck. We we. Oh my god. I see. This is why I said we should recap since episode one. We are terrible hosts. Oh my god, y'all. We have not mentioned the election. How how are you guys doing? Cause that was a fucking crazy week. Like, oh. I'm so sorry. We've been talking all about ourselves and inpatient care, and we forgot to even say anything about the election. Moment of silence for the election. R.I.P. But Donald Trump, your ass is fired! (laughs) (laughs) I'm very happy. I wonder if that's what's affecting my good mental health right now, is the fact that I know that one part of my life is going to be saved. Yep. Like, one part of my life I don't have to worry about as much as everything else. Yeah. So, okay, maybe for the people who don't know what you mean by that, why why do you now feel safe? Well, I have DACA. Yeah. Um, and under the Trump administration, we had um, a lots of changes to the policies. And one of those was the fact that our... Um, so our, our sort of like period in which we're saved from deportation, um, which is used to be two years, had been reduced to one, mm-hmm. which means I would have to pay an annual fee. Right now, the fee for that is um, four ninety five every two years to renew that. I would have to pay that every year. Um, so. One, just thinking about the financial costs of trying to, you know, work. I would basically have to be working to make that money every year. Um, So it was just, it's a cycle of profit, a lot of the DACA program is. But it's the sliver keeping us afloat, Mm -hmm. being able to drive, being able to do anything. Like, it gives us... Uh, protection for two years but 
that's as far as I can see my life. Right. And and then the Trump administration also paused that program mm-hmm. so nobody could apply for it that hadn't had it before. Right. So you could renew it if you had it, but kids who are aging up couldn't apply for it. Yes. Seniors, say seniors this year who don't have DACA, who never had that chance to have DACA, hoping that maybe the program would be reinstated in time for them, mm-hmm. are graduating without being able to do anything. To do anything. So they're raised as U.S. citizens, and they go to school, and they are educated in elementary and high school, and they graduate, but then they can't work. Yeah, and some of them find out that they are that way, that that's their citizenship status when they're applying for college. They didn't know beforehand. No. They aren't aware. And is it because their parents aren't aware, or do they not want to tell them, or they just, it's not that well, um, the information's not that well spread out, and so they just misinformation? When you're undocumented, you want as least of people to know that you're living that way. Some people are so afraid, so afraid. That they will, they won't tell anybody. Because the moment that somebody finds out, that's the moment that you could be sent back. You could mm-hmm. get deported. Um, and also, like, growing up, like, talking and going back a little bit into mental health. Like, that was the reason why, um, why I couldn't be honest with people yeah. and be vulnerable with people because the moment that I met somebody it was are you a good person and by good I meant like are you somebody that would protect me that would be okay with me if I told you that I didn't have if I wasn't a citizen mm-hmm. would you be okay with that and everybody the moment that I met them fell into those categories are you a person that would be okay with me saying I don't have citizenship or are you somebody that is going to hurt me is going to tell others yeah and you were having to make those decisions as a child yes yeah that's a lot so trust wise yeah it takes a while before all of the barriers come down Mm -hmm. before everything's gone before I can actually trust you yeah and I think even in our marriage for me you're white. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. You're white. I'm very white. And so, <laughs> this is funny because yes, yesterday was it? Rachel was having a little bit of white guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that white guilt. It just comes around. And so, so even trying to be honest to you, mm-hmm. that's been hard. And... I think overall it's been something that's affected my own mental health. It's probably a factor as to why I have had to go inpatient. Yeah. Oh, the cats. The no. cats want to be a part of the podcast. Yeah, no, knocking over glasses, Finn. They always make their appearance. Yeah, they, they need, you know cats, they need their attention. Yeah, you met our cats, Picasso and Frida last time. Who are, who's with um, us now? Tonight in this household we have Sir Romeo. Um, he is a cross-eyed Siamese cat. He's such great joy. We have Finn, who is literally the spawn of Satan and destroys everything. He just knocked a glass off the uh, counter. So, uh, and then the last one is Panini. 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 Little Nini. 
That's um, that's not true. Their names are Bolillo, Concha, Cuernito. <laughs> I named her cats after bread. <laughs> Mexican bread. Anyways, let's and get I'm back. I'm tourist here, not her. <laughs> let's get back. Let's get back to the topic. Okay. How did the election affect you? Um. We did man. lose your hero this year, RBG. Yeah, that that was awful. Um, RIP RBG. I feel like RBG with was with us that night. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um. RBG. Is it too soon to make RBG RBG jokes? Uh, yeah. Okay, too soon. It's a burn, Ginsburg. <laughs> okay, anyway. um, Watching, well, election night, you know, was weird because we didn't have results in election night. So, I think the biggest moment was when we got to watch um, Madame Vice President mm. Kamala Harris give her speech. It, I mean, it was, as soon as she walked on stage wearing that white suit, like, that is such a power move. She shattered the glass ceiling in a fucking white suit. Like, hoorah. Yeah. Like, that was, that was, that was amazing. So, and yeah, you know, it felt great. Um, as soon as Biden won, Amarani was like, yeah, I'm not getting deported. And like, those were the same words that I had in my head. But I was like, yes, my wife won't get deported. Like, we have a chance. Like, we can possibly actually get married and we could possibly actually apply for a citizenship for her. And, like, mm-hmm. there is a road that we can, like, look down now, potentially, as long as Biden keeps his word. Um, but, yeah, and I think I think a lot of people in the country felt that way and had just such a sigh of relief because Biden's promise to, you know, reinstate DACA and do the work for the 11 million immigrants and a lot of other things. And so... Hopefully he will stay true to those, but either way, the election was, it was solid. It was good. What, what has your inpatient experience been like? Yeah, so I've, so like I said, I've been twice. Um, the first time I went was back in like 2017, I believe. And I went to Laureate and I went because I had attempted suicide. Um, and so I was there for about a week and a half. And I actually, like, that place saved my life, like, 100%. Like, it, it's, a, it's amazing. Like, you go in there, and you have care 24-7. You're not only seeing a therapist, you're seeing a psychiatrist. On top of seeing a psychiatrist, you're seeing a general, like, practitioner doctor. So they're looking at, like, all, all of the whole person. They're not just focusing on your mental health. They're looking at what medicines you're taking. And then on top of that, yeah, you're in a safe, stable place to change your medicine. So while I was there, I got put on some antidepressants and some anti-anxiety medicines. And so I was able to figure out what my dosage needed to be, which medicines I needed to have it, and not have to worry about, like, those things really messing me up and being alone in the world trying to take that on. So it created that safe place to go through those changes. Mm -hmm. And then while you're there on top of that, you're doing group therapy and group courses the entire time that educate you on mental health, that educate you on like post-traumatic issues that you've gone through and just all around. It's such a positive, uplifting experience. Um, You, it's kind of like camp. 
Yeah. Like, like I feel like you go to camp, like, and then, like, you just have this great high, and you come out, and you're like, oh, shit, life's, gotta go back to life. Right. I always used to look forward to camp. Yeah. It's such a, it's almost like a mental vacation mm-hmm. from everything yeah. in your life that's affecting it, from problems, from, you know, we live in such a, like, well, I have borderline, so, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain thing called borderline society. Mm-hmm. So, in that, it's talking about, like, um, a lot of the symptoms of being borderline, which is, like, people-pleasing and abandonment and all of these worries about people are the same ways that our society is being run. Mm-hmm. So, you can't create a distinction between what's... Um, what's part of your uh, disorder versus what's just in general, like our, our uh, societal standards. And so in going back to that, like our society is so fast, mm-hmm. is so sort of like there's no room to take a break. Yeah. There's no room to pause, to breathe. There's You're going you know, like, a 100 miles per hour, you have work, then you have personal life, then you have social media, then you have all of, like, a mountain of things that you're trying to deal with, and you don't have that safe space to do it. Mm -hmm. You get home and you're tired. Mm -hmm. You don't get home and you are like, okay, let me take a moment to, like, meditate, or let me take a moment to actually, like, try to change certain aspects of my life that are causing me a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel incredibly lucky too to have made it there and to have had a space where I could actually think and realize, hey, my life isn't so bad. There are still things in this life that I would like to do. There are still goals that I would like to reach. There's still dreams that I have. And so you need that space to realize that life doesn't have to be doesn't have to be that fast. Mm-hmm. You know, you can create those moments for yourself. You can take time out of your day to focus on yourself because oftentimes we're focused on everybody else. We're focused on serving others or You know, some of us don't even get a chance to have a break from work. And, you know, and being privileged to have a little bit of time after work to focus on myself, I just, sometimes that's not enough. Um, And I can't imagine what it'd be like for those that have to work two or three jobs. And so we live in this society and it's good that we have these sort of spaces where we can get back up on our feet and it shouldn't be something that's like um you know like looked at wrong or you know like oh you're crazy that kind of thing yeah did you did you have that sort of thought that you would go in and people would be like oh she's crazy oh yeah I I mean that was the that was the hardest thing to accept the first time I went when my uh when I got there I was like I was I was so arrogant and ignorant to what that the mental health and what 
inpatient could offer, and I, I stuck to those stigma and ideas that it was for only for crazy people and that only, you know, the things in movies that you hear about psych wards. And I got my foot put in my mouth because every person I met there, what I ended up having to ask myself is, because I kept like, you know, I'm like, I'm crazy, like, I'm so embarrassed for being here, I'm so ashamed. But like, meeting the people that were there, I didn't feel embarrassed or ashamed of them. I was so proud of them and they encouraged me and it was so beautiful to watch them go through their struggle. And it was like, if I wasn't passing that judgment on them, why should I pass that judgment on myself? And so once I could kind of go through that, it helped. But I also want to go back to something you said, and it's, you talked about how the world just, you know, keeps on spinning and you have all these obligations and there's just so much. I think a lot of times, especially when people are dealing like with suicidal thoughts, they don't see a way out of all of their obligations that they have. They don't see a way to take a break or to slow down. And so the only way is out. And, and so I think a lot of the times that's when what hangs up people when asking for help or considering inpatient care is that they're like, I have, I have too many things to do. I can't, I can't drop the things that I'm doing. I can't take off that time. I can't, my work won't do it. Like there, there are a lot of excuses and they may be like very true, reasonable excuses, but there are a lot of things that are in the way. So how did that work for you? Do you, I mean, you have a really fucking busy schedule. Like you are, you are everywhere but you were able to go. So mm-hmm. how, like, how was that managing all those different things? How did it go when you had to stop all of it at once? And then how was it going when you had to start it all back up again? Well, I, first of all, I think I'm employed by a really, yeah, really, really great um, company. And I think that, you know, the follow-up after coming back out was what truly like gave me confidence to you know get back into the surge of things and not be embarrassed yeah and not be like okay well now you know now it's they know that I'm having a little bit of um of a struggle right Mm -hmm. now with my mental health and I was like well I'm gonna get fired or I'm like you know they're gonna be like oh she's not adequate enough to fit her job anymore but no it was the opposite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not just in, like, them being accepting of mental health, them also being, like, so accepting of us. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, growing up, I always feared that every space that I enter, and it's still a genuine fear. Yeah. That every space I enter is a place where I am not welcome. Yeah. And... Actually, right now as we speak, we're actually preparing for a shower, <laughs> yeah. that a bridal shower that all of our, um, or that my team uh, wanted to throw for us. And if that doesn't speak volumes about a work environment, if that doesn't, you know, really show how, I don't even like have religious beliefs but how blessed yeah (laughs) how blessed I am in this household tonight (laughs) period because man y'all um 
I'm about to get a little emotional. She's over here about to cry. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just like, I, what was it like, um, three months, three weeks ago that I went inpatient? Yeah. And coming back out has just been great. And this week has just been great because, of course, like the election and like things are just getting back in the swing of things and they feel good. Mm-hmm. And I feel good. And, like, today I went to go get um, my shot for my new medicine. And, you know, everything is just, I'm able to, I have capacity to to work through everything. I don't feel stressed out. And as Rachel was saying, I have a really, really busy schedule. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a platform. And I'm lucky enough to be able to sort of, you know, talk about real issues and, um, but overall for me, just sort of re-entering back into work, back into life after going inpatient has been really easy. And I had this fear for a little while that, oh, I may never get better. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to be in this hole. Mm -hmm. And... I've been climbing the stairs out, mm-hmm. and I can see sunlight. And you know, I don't want to get my hope up, my like my hopes up, but so far it's been great. Reentering back into life has been great. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been supportive. Nobody has looked at me and said, "Oh, you're crazy," or nobody has judged me mm-hmm. for. These moments that we all have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I'm still doing a little bit of um, inpatient. I do outpatient now. Mm-hmm. I go to uh, classes and we're taught like great coping skills and great techniques, which is something that we that they do at inpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the exposure to these things are things that I had never heard before. Like, who knew that you could meditate and it would make you feel better? Who knew? Yeah. So, you know, I think what would you say, or a lot of, I think, what Amrani have been saying is that we had a lot of doubts and negative thoughts towards inpatient care that we, I don't think that we necessarily manifested them ourselves, but that society definitely, um, I think, makes everyone feel. And so I think the point that we're trying to make and maybe give hope to other people is that a lot of those things that we think everybody is going to judge us and we think we're going to lose our jobs and we're not going to be able to catch back up when we get out, um, my boss is going to look at me differently, Like a lot of those things, we don't know if they're true but assuming that they're going to be true isn't going to help us either. And mm-hmm. so you kind of have to take a leap of faith and hope that and know that those things aren't necessarily all going to go that way. And I definitely in the beginning thought that they were. But once I got out and I think once Amrani got out, we were both met with different approaches from everybody. And we everybody's very supportive And I think a lot of you will find that too. I think a lot of this self-doubt and judgment, you find out too when you're in inpatient care. Like like I was saying earlier, like, would you judge others the way that you were judging yourself and being so hard on yourself 
Um, you know, so it it's not as impossible of a thing taking a week off and going to inpatient care. It's daunting, I know, but it's not. When you can take it piece by piece and you have a good work um, relationship, I know this isn't ideal for everybody and we're privileged that we were able to take off that time. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's something, I would say it's something that you shouldn't be ashamed to ask for and to see where it could go. Um, and I was gonna ask a question. A question, a question, a question. I keep losing my... I, I would think, I would just, yeah, like what would you say to people who are scared, who have been considering that they, they, they think impatient could be good for them, but yeah, they're worried that, they're worried about going and it's either because they don't think they'll be able to catch everything back up when they get out or they're worried about what people would think. Like, what what kind of thoughts do you have towards that? Well, first of all, I think um, my experience from Laureate <clears throat> was an experience that would lead me to recommend it. Mm -hmm. Because just being there and having, like you were saying, all of that 24-7 care and you know, a therapist and a psychiatrist and a doctor, a physical doctor who mm -hmm. checks, like, because sometimes mental health isn't just related to, like, um, disorders or um, yeah. that kind of thing. It, it can be related to your health. Yeah, like, I, the, when I was there, they worked on my IBS and things like that, so mm -hmm. that doctor. And you have these physical ail ailments that mm -hmm. sort of cause you to be depressed mm -hmm. and by simply fixing those, maybe your depression will go away. Yeah. But you don't know that unless you actually have access to a doctor. Yeah. And a doctor or a, a program that checks for everything, not just like disorders. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, before I went in there, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, um, what it was going to be like. But knowing that I was in a safe space where they could change around my medicine and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, have like suicidal thoughts without somebody there. Yeah. That was. And that you don't have to like do work or mm -hmm. worry about maintaining relationships with people while you're transitioning through those things. Like you can truly just focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. And that to me was just, it was such a good safe space yeah and um i think for those that are still scared or potentially are having like suicidal thoughts every now and then and are you know just hanging on like i would say take a visit you know if you ha like if you have that good work environment if you have um, the ability to do so, do it for yourself. Yeah. Because that's, for me, is what self-love is, is realizing that you need, you need to, you need a space to, to take care of yourself and actually mm -hmm. going, not just thinking about it and never going. Yeah. That's what self-love is. And accepting your diagnosis, accepting that, um, you know, you need, you need glasses to see. Yeah. That you need medicine to feel a little more normal. Yeah. You need 
things to feel like yourself. Yeah. I would like to say, too, like, it's brave to ask for help. And this idea that it is shameful to ask for help is just absurd. It is brave to fight for yourself. It is brave to go and get help. It is brave to call somebody. It is brave to... It's, it's brave to go to inpatient care. It's brave to go to therapy. It's brave to take medicine. The effort is there, and you are trying, and you should never be ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a little harder to grasp until you've been through it. Right. Until yeah. you've actually given yourself the time to accept who you are and right. to love yourself, that you can come to that realization mm-hmm. of it's courageous for me to go. Yeah. It's brave for me to do all of these things rather than just um, depend on myself and depend on a schedule that is not going to change. Um for me to maybe magically like get better yeah um and some people can do it but just in general taking that time for yourself is something that is the best coping mechanism taking time for yourself yeah and that's why you asked earlier was coping techniques i would say i would say the one that i took away from that the most was mindfulness and self self affirmations Mm -hmm. so yeah, I had a, I had a lot of trouble with self love and, you know, um, I was very much like a people pleaser and earned my love from how everybody else around me was doing instead of, you know, just supporting myself and so going to there, and seeing all those things and experience was able to teach me that I have to put myself first, in order to be able to help people the most. Mm-hmm. You do have to put yourself first. Mm. Um, I think for me, uh, one of the things has been radical acceptance, mm. which is, I believe it's part of DBT, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is dial- dialectical behavior therapy. Yep. And um, DBT is uh, the most popular sort of, or the best sort of uh, therapy to go through when you're borderline. So that's why I, I'm i bringing that up because radical acceptance is sort of accepting your reality and accepting yourself and choosing yourself every time. Yeah. Um, you know, because there are things in your life that you can't change. Mm-hmm. It's not all or nothing. You know, your problems um, and all of catastrophizing everything like everything all of your chronic worry you know that's part of it and you can't accept that as as um as the way to live because it affects how you view yourself Mm -hmm. it affects sort of that low self-esteem and that self-confidence that you're not worthy when in fact you are and Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the most important thing that I got. This it, it all comes down to this is uh there was a tech there who spoke about um things that he told himself every day. Mm-hmm. And now I've narrowed it to TLF. Every single day that I wake up, 
I have to trust myself, I have to love myself, and I have to forgive myself. Which is powerful. It is. It is. Say it again. Say it again. I have to trust myself, I have to love myself, and I have to forgive myself. Because these are things that we don't do. Mm -hmm. These are things that we would rather put somebody else in front of us than do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to trust that you're making right decisions. It's hard, it's hard to trust that you can take up space, that you can create space, and that you can ask for space. Mm -hmm. It's hard to trust yourself as a person. And like as I was saying earlier with um, my citizenship status, that's another barrier of trust. And so if I don't trust myself to take up space and to be who I am without embarrassment, um, then I'm not really trusting that I'm doing the right things. Right. And if it, I can't give myself the ability to be who I am without shame, then I can't love myself. Mm -hmm. And I can't love you mm -hmm. because I don't love me. So there's that. And then there's forgiving ourselves. And if, to me, if you don't have like a religious belief, forgiving ourselves is as spiritual as I can get to myself. Mm -hmm. Because... I forgive the fact that I need an ex I need some extra help when I'm doing not so good. Mm -hmm. I forgive the fact that maybe I might call you at a time that isn't ideal. Maybe you're sleeping. I forgive myself for not asking for help when I needed it. And I forgive myself for waiting too too long. Um, and all of these things I wouldn't have learned if I didn't sit in one of those impatient chairs. Yeah. Because nobody was, was rooting for me. Nobody was out there. And since I wasn't rooting for myself, how could anybody know what was going on? Mm. How could anybody extend a helping hand? Yeah. I, it's, Yeah. That's a lot. That was a lot. That's, Is this therapy? It, you're on it. You've grown so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what do you think for you was the most important thing you came out of from Impatient? I think it was, you know, you talked about, like, that struggle of trusting yourself. And it's, it's, it's hard because you're constantly at war with yourself and you're constantly mad at yourself for thinking the way that you think or for feeling the way that you feel or for not you know it's you're just constantly disappointed and constantly not right with yourself and when you can stop battling that and just accept it that is what sets the stage I think for healing and love and that so just taking it and just saying okay I am this way and and just setting it at that and then going from there you acknowledge that you have to wear glasses to see yeah yeah and that sometimes is the biggest step and so 
you just have to accept like, yeah, I, I, I am a little negative right now, but I may not always be that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing active things to try to change that mentality. And so... And you give yourself a little more love. Yeah. Yeah. We need more love. Definitely. That's what we need. Definitely. Um, well, as we come to a close, I feel like we've been talking for hours. I know. I'm like trying to remember what time we started. <laughs> um, I do want to do a little fun question. Okay. Well, wait, is there anything else we have to say? If there was anything you guys got out of that, please go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Please consider taking medicine. Please consider inpatient. Yes. It doesn't hurt to ask, and they will go through the process with you on trying to get work permit or, like, a work note, school mm-hmm. note, to get you things set aside, and you can let your boss know, hey, I'm just going to be I'm gonna be gone for a few days. You don't have to tell them where you're going. The, the notes even say you're just at the hospital, like you're in St. Francis. And so, technically that's where you're at. Yeah, you're at, and so if you don't want to, people to know, you, there are ways to be discreet about it. And then if anybody, you know, I would be willing to go with somebody and help you get set up. That's, that's the hardest thing. I think that's also the hardest thing about, like, starting therapy is, like, that initial step to going or to going to set it up is so overwhelming so if you've been considered going to therapy, like, if you have a close friend, ask that close friend to make that call for you. Because sometimes that's the hardest thing is just finding the call or figuring out which therapist you want to go to because there's so many options and it can be just overwhelming. So if, if you guys need that from us, I would, I would say that I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. I'm already shaking yeah. my head that she's here for that. It, it needs to be more available and used and publicly accepted. I thought you were going to say, oh, is shaking her head, that no, she will not be there. <laughs> she is not part of that. <laughs> no. Okay, now for your fun, what do you got fun? Um, what was your fun? Yes. What are your songs and or artists that you go to when you need a little pick-me-up? Oh. All right, y'all are going to hate you me. You can't. Okay. But I'm ahead. a day one Paramore fan. Oh. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Kodak Black. Oh, hell yeah, Kodak Black. No. No, that's when I want to be like a, feel like I'm, never On top of the world? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, what were you going to say? No, no. Anyway, Paramore, day one fan. Um, if you haven't, like, if you listened to them when you were younger, they were great. But they've also recently just put out a new album called After Laughter. Mm, talk about mental health. That album is truly about mental health. And... She finds a way to write depressing songs to a fun beat. So I will <laughs> recommend Fake Happy, After Laughter Album by Paramore, and Hard Times. Those two are probably my best songs. That when I am just down as shit, I will listen to those and it gives me a little bit of hope. What do you think I'm going to say? Probably Taylor Swift. <laughs> People hate Taylor Swift. Yeah, but you don't. If you're listening to this podcast and you hate Taylor Swift, meet me at Brahms after school. Anyways. Shit, this girl don't know how to fight. Um, let's see. There's this song by um, Stella. Donnelly. Yes! Stella Donnelly. Die. The song is Die. <laughs> Called Die. It's actually fun. 
So she takes the same approach as Haley Williams does in Paramore, making a fun, depressing song. Because sometimes depressing songs, if they're depre- if they're too depressing, will make you more depressed. I will admit that. Mm-hmm. But these two songs specifically are like upbeat and fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go ahead and talk about it more. Basically, the song is. I don't wanna die. Yeah, it's talking about all of these reasons why you might want to, but in reality, hey, you might not want to. Yeah. And it's upbeat, and you get to say die over and over (laughs) again. (laughs) So that's definitely, like, de-stress. Yeah. Like, okay. Also, I will throw out Gus Dapperton. Um, Is it... What is it? I can't think of the name. Medicine? No, not medicine. It's the other one. Uh, po. Mm. Okay, hang on. Now I gotta. First aid. First aid. Yes, first aid. Gus Dapperton. First aid is a very wholesome mental health song for anybody who needs to know. You yeah. know, it's mental... got a great beat. It does, and like, mental health is normal. Mental health is okay. It is okay if you're depressed. Right. It is okay if you're have anxiety. Like, this shit needs to be normalized. Mm-hmm. Inaccessible to everybody and not as harshly judged. It's the same way as like our mental health is our whole body. Like, I don't know why people ignore it. Yeah, well, you were saying it earlier. You were like, uh, you can get a letter from your from your work. Yeah. Or a letter for work. If you're going to take anything away from me this episode... Take, take away that going inpatient is like going to the hospital for a broken leg. Yes, yes, yes. You would not go to, you would not not go to the, thank you. That was great. Okay, go ahead. Go off. No, you, finish. Like, finish. you would not, yes, you would not go to, I, I, <laughs> this got her. <laughs> it got her. If you're bleeding out and you just got shot. You wouldn't go, oh, no, man, I don't want to go to the hospital. My work, like, might fire me or something. Or, yo, my girlfriend probably think I'm a pussy if I go to the hospital because I'm bleeding out my fucking asshole right now. Like, no, you wouldn't do that. You would go get care. So if your head ain't right, go get care. Yes. it's That's the name of the episode. If your head ain't right, go get care. She's about to put on her bow tie. Yeah, I gotta put on my bow tie for our white tie affair tonight. She's distracting me. My clothes are still on. She's too beautiful. Anyways, um, well, we gave you some great truth as to why you should go get inpatient care if you need it. Or also just normalize it. Yeah. Be a part of the society that normalizes and destigmatizes mental health. Yeah. Like, take your friends to therapy. Like... Take your girlfriend to therapy. It's a date. Like, <laughs> go, like, learn something about mental health. Like, Netflix and therapy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We promise the next episode won't be another, like, five years from now. It'll be two weeks. No, it won't. Wait, really? Two weeks? Two weeks? We have to wait two more weeks. Okay, fine, fine, fine. We're filming another me, one tomorrow. Me as the editor who has to edit these podcasts. I'll learn how to edit. Okay. She's also going to learn how to speak Spanish. And like Hola! 
I know more than that, but I don't feel like it right now. She she does. Um, fine. In a week or so, <laughs> or so, we might even have special guests. Well, yeah, we do have a list of guests we want to. Uh, so yes, thank you for listening. And um, sorry there wasn't more cat action this episode. They're actually really quiet, which is odd. Like, we're going to go check on them. They're resting because they know we're about to have a really good Zoom and there's going to be cake. And they're like, I got to rest before I get ready to sabotage the entire cake. Mm -hmm. So. All right, y'all. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. We gotta think of a better closing. We do. It's lame. <laughs> do, 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 do. Bye. Maybe we should do like a mindfulness. Like. You should just burp at the end of the episode. Oh, I mean, I did burp going into it, so I should burp going. Oh, that was weak. Ah! This is embarrassing. I don't have any burps. And that's where we end. <laughs>